Hi everyone, welcome back to our daily gospel exegesis, which is produced by the Logical Bible Study. Thank you again for tuning in. This is a Catholic ministry where we look at the the Bible, and in particular the gospel reading from today's Mass. And we're giving you the tools to help you dive into the text, to help you really understand what it means on the literal level. Today we're looking at John chapter 3, verses 31 to 36. This might be a passage that you have never heard before. It's one that's not talked about that often. John the Baptist said to his disciples, He who comes from above is above all others. He who is born of the earth is earthly himself and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven bears witness to the things he has seen and heard, even if his testimony is not accepted. Though all who do accept his testimony are attesting the truthfulness of God, since he whom God has sent speaks God's own words. God gives him the Spirit without reserve. The Father loves the Son and has entrusted everything to him. Anyone who believes in the Son has eternal life, but anyone who refuses to believe in the Son will never see life. The anger of God stays on him. So it's another quite complex passage from the Gospel of John where each phrase is quite densely packed with theological meaning. Let's talk about the context. Just prior to this, John has been talking to his disciples. So John the Baptist has his own group of followers and they come and they ask him a question about Jesus because they notice that Jesus has started baptizing people as well. And in that passage, in John chapter 3, before where we get to today, John the Baptist says, He is the bridegroom, I am the friend of the bridegroom. He must increase, but I must decrease. So that's what John the Baptist has said, and we've looked at that at other times in the podcast. Our reading today is the very next thing he says, so the text flows right into this next bit. But there's a bit of a caveat here. Our lectionary has these words at the start of our reading today. If you've got the reading in front of you, you'll see that the first words are, John the Baptist said to his disciples. Now, that's not in the original text. If you look up John chapter 3, verse 31, it doesn't say that. It just continues straight into he who comes. So, the lectionary translators for the Catholic Church have added in that phrase, John the Baptist said to his disciples, to help make it clearer what's going on. The problem is, it's not entirely clear if it is John the Baptist who is speaking here. And the reason is because... In the original Greek text, there's no quotation marks. It's very hard to see when someone starts talking and stops talking. So it could be that John the Baptist is continuing to speak because he was definitely speaking the last time we saw him in John chapter 3. So it could be a continuation of John's speech. Or it could be the author, John the Apostle, offering his own editorial comments. This could be kind of an extended uh, description of Trinitarian theology from John the Apostle himself. There are other places in John where the Apostle John, the author, does do that. So let's keep in mind that it's not entirely clear if this is John the Baptist who's continuing to speak to his disciples, or if it's the Apostle John, the author who's just written this stuff down himself. To make it easier, we'll say that it's John the Baptist who's continuing to speak. So we'll go with what the lectionary has here at the start. So he starts by saying, He who comes from above is above all others. So John here is talking about the Messiah, Jesus, and he's saying the Messiah from heaven, 
And earlier in John chapter 3, we saw that the Messiah is from heaven. He's from above and he ranks before all others, including John the Baptist himself. So this is an answer to the disciples' questions who come to John and say, why is this other guy baptizing? This is John the Baptist's answer. He says, well, the Messiah ranks above all others, including me. So we should expect people are going to flock to Jesus. That's what John the Baptist is saying. He said he wants his disciples to be okay with it. It's not a problem. John the Baptist goes on. He who is born of the earth is earthly himself and speaks in an earthly way. So if this is John the Baptist talking, he's probably talking about himself here. I am earthly, whereas the Messiah is heavenly. Although John the Baptist is a prophet inspired by God, he's not from heaven like Jesus is. On the other hand, if it's the Apostle John speaking, adding his own comments, then someone who is of the earth is probably John the Apostle's way of saying someone who does not accept the testimony of the one who comes from heaven. And John here is calling people, if that's the case, to change their way of thinking and to accept Jesus as a Messiah. Verse 32, he who comes from heaven bears witness to the things he has seen and heard. So Jesus, the Messiah, who's come from heaven, tells the world of the things he has seen and heard in heaven. In other words, he imparts the information that he's received from God the Father. And this is a big theme in the Gospel of John. Even if his testimony is not accepted, or more literally, other translations have it as stronger than that, no one receives his testimony. So John the Baptist here wants to ensure that his disciples are not deceived by external appearances. Even if Jesus' message is not accepted, John the Baptist says to his disciples, you need to know this is the Messiah from heaven, even if people aren't accepting him. Though all who do accept his testimony are attesting to the truthfulness of God. Or another translation of verse 33 is, he who receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. So anyone who accepts the message of Jesus indicates that they believe in God, basically. There's a strong connection between believing in Jesus and trusting the truthfulness of God. And if you do that, then you act as a testimony to God himself. And Jesus explains this a bit further in the next verse, because that is a bit confusing, this idea of testifying to the truthfulness of God. Verse 34, since... That key word there is since, so Jesus is now going to give us a reason. Since he whom God has sent speaks God's own words. So Jesus the Messiah speaks the words of God the Father. John the Baptist's teaching here is, if one listens to Jesus, they're listening to God. If one accepts Jesus, they accept God. And that's been a theme even earlier in John chapter 3 when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. God gives him the spirit without measure. So God the Father does not withhold himself from the Son. This is quite a profound theological teaching. God the Father completely discloses himself and his will to the Messiah. So that means Jesus as the Messiah knows God the Father's will perfectly and his mission is to communicate the Father's will to others on earth. That's what the Messiah is trying to do. In fact, we learn from later in the New Testament that the Son is the exact representation of the Father. He's not just a messenger, he has the very nature of God. Verse 35, the Father loves the Son. Notice that, the Father loves the Son. So there's an intimate relationship within the Trinity. 
Earlier in John chapter 3, Jesus has indicated that God loves the world, and apparently it's a similar kind of love that he has for his son. All people, all Christians, but even people who aren't Christians, are called to hear these words in the Gospel of John and to become a part of this intimate Trinitarian relationship if they want to. If they want to accept Jesus as the Messiah, then they can become a part of this intimate relationship that already exists between the Trinity and has entrusted everything to him or and has given all things into his hand. So the Father has designated complete authority to the Son. The Son of God, Jesus the Messiah, represents God and the kingdom of God on earth. He's been given authority to do that. Verse 36, he who believes in the Son, so someone who trusts Jesus the Messiah completely, has eternal life. We've talked about eternal life a bit in this podcast. Eternal life means life to the fullest in this life and in the next. And in particular, it refers to deep communion with God himself. Anyone, anyone who refuses to believe in the Son will never see life. So this is sort of the other side of the coin. If you refuse to believe in the Son, you'll never see life. We looked at this in yesterday's podcast in John chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. The teaching here of Jesus and of John the Baptist here is those who willingly refuse to accept God's messenger, the Messiah, reject God themselves and they forfeit eternal life. This applies primarily to those in Jesus' time who are literally listening to Jesus and yet rejecting his message, though it can be extended to our time as well. We can't, on the one hand, say we accept God, but then reject his messenger. That doesn't make sense. If we do that, we forfeit eternal life. And the anger of God stays on him, or more literally, the wrath of God rests upon him. Notice the present tense, rests upon him, not will rest upon him. So the teaching here is those who in the present, right now, reject Jesus as the Messiah, they reject God and they reject fellowship with him. So in the present, if you reject Jesus as the Messiah, God's wrath remains upon you. That's the teaching here. And if someone was to die in this state, they would be separated from him for all eternity. What happens in eternity is an extension of whatever your soul is in the present moment in this life. Now, the good news is you can change. You can change from having God's wrath resting upon you to not having God's wrath resting upon you. But that involves trusting in Jesus and believing in him. That's what belief means. Belief means to put your trust into something. And in this case, the Messiah, Jesus. Now, this last verse has generated a lot of discussion. Anyone who refuses to believe in the Son will never see life. The wrath of God rests upon him. Sometimes you'll hear people say that the God of the Old Testament is judging and mean, but the God of the New Testament is loving. Well, here's one of these verses where in the New Testament, where we have a reference to God being angry, the wrath of God. So at a minimum here, what we learn is that we cannot separate God's justice from his love. They're both part of God's character. Similar thinking to this is echoed in 1 Thessalonians and in other places in Paul's writings. God gives people the opportunity to come to him, but he's never going to force anyone to come to him. And those who willingly refuse to have the wrath of God abiding on them. This is part of Catholic teaching. That's the end of our passage, John chapter 3. The next section of John is John chapters 4 and 5. 
Now that doesn't occur, um, those chapters don't appear in the lectionary at this particular time of the year. They are in week three and four of Lent. So we've covered John chapters four and five earlier in the podcast. So you can go back and find those episodes, John chapter four and five from week three and four of Lent. However, interestingly, the first four chapters of John chapter four, so John chapter four, verses one to four, are never covered in the lectionary at all. So you will never hear those four verses at mass ever. So if you want to hear those verses, and if you want to hear an exegesis of those verses, just like we've been doing every day on this podcast, then that bonus exegesis is available to you if you become a Patreon supporter of the podcast. So if you give $10 a month, then those bonus exegesis episodes of texts, which you'll never hear at Mass, but are in the Gospels, they are available to you. And this particular one will be the one that's available right now for anyone who signs up in the next couple of weeks. That will be the episode that becomes available to you straight away. So John chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. In tomorrow's episode, we're going to start at John chapter 6. That's where the lectionary jumps to tomorrow. Let's have a look at a few catechism passages to see how the Catholic Church understands this passage. Paragraph 504 has an interesting link here. It links it to Mary's virginal motherhood in God's plan. And there's a lot of discussion in these next few passages that we'll look at, or paragraphs of the catechism, about this phrase where God pours out the Spirit on Jesus completely. So paragraph 504 says, Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary's womb because he is the new Adam who inaugurates the new creation. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. From his conception, Christ's humanity is filled with the Holy Spirit. For God gives him the Spirit without measure. From his fullness, as the head of redeemed humanity, we have all received grace upon grace. See here there that quote about God has given him the Spirit without measure. That's from John chapter 3 here. A similar theme is taken up in paragraph 690. Jesus is Christ, anointed because the Spirit is his anointing, and everything that occurs from the incarnation on derives from this fullness. The notion of anointing suggests that there is no distance between the Son and the Spirit. Just as between the surface of the body and the anointing with oil, neither reason nor sensation recognises any intermediary. Just so... The contact of the Son with the Spirit is immediate, so that anyone who would make contact with the Son by faith must first encounter the oil by contact. In fact, there is no part that is not covered by the Holy Spirit. That is why the confession of the Son's Lordship is made in the Holy Spirit by those who receive Him, the Spirit coming from all sides to those who approach the Son in faith. So that paragraph quotes from one of the Church Fathers to show that the Son and the Spirit are deeply united. And again in paragraph 1286, which is about the sacrament of confirmation, it says Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. His whole life and his whole mission are carried out in total communion with the Holy Spirit, whom the Father gives him without measure. Lastly, paragraph 161 is in the section about the necessity of faith, and that's a commentary Well, it includes a reference to John chapter 3 towards the end about judgment and what it requires in order to get into eternal life. 
Believing in Jesus Christ and in the one who sent him for our salvation is necessary for obtaining that salvation. Since without faith it is impossible to please God and to attain the fellowship of his sons, therefore without faith no one has ever attained justification, nor will anyone obtain eternal life but he who endures to the end. So an interesting link there to the Catholic teaching on salvation. I'll include those paragraphs in the show notes. If you've learnt something new, then I ask you to please share this with other people. Continue to subscribe on YouTube and tell people about it. That's how we can spread the word. This is the only Catholic podcast of its kind, which dives into the literal sense of the gospel every single day to give you the tools to help you understand the Bible and to make your walk with God more passionate and uh, more informed. If you have benefited from this podcast and you've been listening for a while, can I ask you to please consider becoming a financial supporter of the podcast? There's more information about that in the show notes. Consider becoming a $10 a month donor or even a $30 a month donor. So that's like a dollar an episode. We do 30 episodes a month on this podcast every single time trying to help you understand the gospel readings. So please have a think about that and there's more information in the show notes. We'll see you again tomorrow when we do a new exegesis on John chapter 6.